We all know how frustrating it can be when people aren't listening to us. We've all been there, arguing or asking for support, recommending a change to a program or policy. It's one thing to need help at home or your office, but what happens at a larger scale when the right people aren't listening? What do you do when you need attention from your government? In the construction industry, a good example of this is the infrastructure bill. Many industries, not just construction, push for an overhaul of America's infrastructure. And over time, the voices we heard got louder and a bill was drafted, voted on, and now $1.2 trillion are available to spend on various aspects of the country's industry. While this is not an episode about the infrastructure bill, it's more about how the association like CMAA can help make your voice louder and advocate for your profession. Joining Carly and I today on the third episode of Season 2's Construction Leaders Podcast, we welcome back CMA's President and CEO, Andrea Rutledge, along with members of CMA's Advocacy Committee, Dave Crossan from HNTB and Ed Pagreba from Procon Consulting. Andrea, Dave, Ed, it's always a pleasure having you on the show and great to see you all again. Andrea, I want to jump right in and have you start by telling the listeners what CMA's advocacy initiatives are. It's a great question, and it's a great place to start. So CMAA's advocacy initiative essentially has three parts. The first is pretty straightforward and may sound familiar to listeners. The first is to identify and prioritize issues for our advocacy activities, identifying those issues that matter the most to our membership. The second is monitoring U.S. jurisdictions, states, territories, District of Columbia, about proposed legislation or regulatory activity that may affect the profession, particularly around certification. And then finally, to educate members of CMAA on advocacy in general and how to be advocates for the profession. So I guess a follow-up question to that is, how were those three initiatives identified and why are they important to the construction management industry? Dave, do you want to start off with that? Well, sure. I think the key word was education. You know, as thought leaders, as industry professionals, many times we need to work with our leadership in government to understand the impact what a bill or legislation has on our industry. And so I really think the biggest part of CMAA is that we can help educate and be thought leaders when it comes to issues that impact our industry. Ed, do you have anything to add to that? Yes, I do. As a matter of fact, education of our members is important, but it's also very important to educate our legislatures about our industry and the needs of our industry. That way, when bills are being considered, legislators have the ability to understand the impact that they're having on industry in total. Yeah, I think that makes total sense that the education needs to go both ways for the practitioners in the industry and at the government level as well. So, Ed, I'm going to stick with you on this question. And because a lot of people immediately hear advocacy and think lobbying and jump down that path and want to get a little scared and back off a little bit like lobbyists are the bad guys. But is CMAA becoming a lobbying organization? No, CMA is not a lobbying organization, or do we want to be perceived in that fashion? We are advocates for our industry, and it's important for us to draw a clear distinction between advocacy and, and lobby. Uh, we do not endorse any particular pieces of legislation, nor do we attack Congress and or our representatives in, in a fashion that would promote any particular piece of legislation. Instead, 
as I mentioned before, it's very important to educate our representatives so that they understand sort of the broad social and economic impacts that any piece of legislation will have on our industry and make sure that they understand ultimately what is important to the building and construction industry because so much of our public funding comes through Congress, in fact, all of it comes through and is approved by Congress. And ultimately, we need to make the right decisions in terms of how we're building and where we're building. Well, I do want to go on record, and I'm sure Andrew will appreciate this, that CMA doesn't attack anybody, not just lobbyists, <laughs> not just the government. We don't attack anybody. We're non-biased. We don't attack. We're pretty passive. Can, can I add something to, to what Ed was saying? You know, lobbying is a direct activity that lobbyists do. And as an organization, you know, we going back to the word advocate, what we're trying to do is, is help shape policy through a group, through an organization, not through an individual lobbyist pushing a certain agenda, pushing a certain point. We really represent as a whole our CMA game membership, and we're here to advocate and help. Much different than lobby. If I could add on... You know, there are very specific distinctions between direct lobbying, which is what Ed was describing, where you know CMAA hires a lobbyist to visit a specific group of legislators to promote or not a particular piece of legislation or a part of a piece of legislation. What we're talking about and what CMAA is working on has a specific definition around indirect lobbying, which is, as both Ed and Dave have said, is about educating legislators, policymakers on what are the needs of the industry, what are the important elements of the industry, how can what the industry knows and does inform policymaking. But it also includes, for example, asking our members to advocate with their members of Congress for a particular initiative. And there's a real sort of inside baseball example of there was an amendment proposed to a bill that would not be beneficial to our members, particularly in the state of California. So the right thing to do for CMAA was to identify members who lived in that representative's district to contact that representative to point out why that amendment was not in the best interest of that representative's constituents who are members of our industry. So it's pretty carefully parsed, but there are very clear definitions, and CMA is very clearly in the work of indirect lobbying, education, and advocacy. You know, Andrea, when you talk about meeting with legislators, you know, the biggest impact our members can have is meeting with their local representatives. And really, it's meeting with them in their office, going to Capitol Hill, meeting with them in their office, and you being a constituent from their district is really impactful. And, and that's where I can see the best advocacy comes from. The best advocacy comes from face-to-face -face meeting with your local representative. Absolutely. They're not interested. The representatives for Illinois 6th Congressional District aren't interested in what I have to say. They're interested in what the people who live in that district have to say. And I think it's important for our members to realize if you're going in in a group, you usually have a spokesperson, right? Let that spokesperson be the constituent. That is the best way to have that one-on-one -on -one conversation. Um, and if you can make that happen, that, that's very impactful. 
So Dave, once a topic is identified that we want to advocate for, how does CMAA go about taking a position on that topic? Can you talk about that process a little bit? Sure. You know, the best place for members to keep up with CMAA is the Advocacy Center. It's on the website, but it's really a two-prong approach. So it's a bottoms up. It's the local chapters. It's what's important in their markets. It's what's driving concerns. That gets brought up to the advocacy committee, but then there's also a top down. We're also keeping an eye on bills and impacts to our members that maybe they're not aware of. It's interesting because bills may be named one thing, but have parts in it that are, have nothing to do with what the name is. So it really takes that, that dual prong, bottom up, what's the concerns coming out of the chapters, and that top down keeping an eye on bills and legislation that impact our members. And I would add to that too, there are important guardrails on the choices that CMAA makes about issues and which direction or which issues. And that's the CMAA policy framework. The policy framework was developed by the board of directors. It lays out very clearly what questions have to be answered and evaluated before CMAA takes a position on a particular topic. That policy framework is also on the website on the board of directors page, and it's a very useful tool for defining how issues are approached and addressed. That's a very good point to highlight, but from the industry perspective, Ed, what topics are considered high priority for the 118th Congress to be looking at? Well, uh, as a result of several pieces of legislation that were passed in the 117th Congress, what we're finding is that these pieces of legislation now are moving forward for actual implementation. For example, DOE is enacting provisions related to six to 10 hydrogen hubs. And so comments are due uh, in April regarding the location of those particular hydrogen hubs. And, and that'll be important for us to understand because that will impact uh, people in uh, specific chapters um, and will promote business and economic spend of that $8 billion that's been earmarked for those particular projects. I would add to that list that we are always advocating for the value of certification and the use of certified professionals on federal programs and projects. And that's a kind of interesting needle to thread because sometimes that advocacy takes place with Congress because there are ways, as I think Dave said, sometimes the bill starts out over here and it ends up over there. So there's sometimes there are ways in legislation to influence that. But most of the time, it's about influencing the actual departments themselves that uh, manage the federal government's construction programs and projects. And Andrea, you make a good point about the departments. And one key thing about CMAA is when our members bring up issues, if it's a singular issue for a firm with a department, then it may not be something that CMAA should be taking up. But when multiple members, multiple firms have the same issue with the department, then that becomes something that CMAA would get behind for the good of the industry. Absolutely. And procurement reform is one of those kinds of topics. There are particular 
difficulties and challenges in the GSA schedule system, if you just to sort of generally describe it, that affect our members in ways that probably were never imagined by GSA when they set up the schedule system, but it affects how our members procure work through the General Services Administration. Let's take a quick break and hear from our sponsor, the Construction Manager Certification Institute. Today's ANSI-accredited Certified Construction Manager brings professionalism to the project and provides leadership by unifying architects, general contractors, engineers, and facility managers to successfully complete the project. The CCM is familiar with the latest techniques and technologies of construction, from prefabrication to building information modeling. He or she thoroughly understands sustainable design and construction, how projects are financed, and how risks can be minimized and effectively shared. The Certified Construction Manager is a communicator, a facilitator, a problem solver, a professional leader. Certified Construction Managers have the proven knowledge and experience to deliver all these values for every project. Make the CCM part of your strategy for success. For more information on the Certified Construction Manager, please visit cmcertification.org. Dave, I want to go back real quick before we move on to the next question. And can you give an example of what you mean by if a member has a particular problem within their firm and it's not a widespread issue, when is it time to bring it to CMA's attention? You know, a lot of this is discussed within the local markets and it'll have an issue where, let's say a trucking company is having trouble with a municipality when it comes to idling trucks. Well, is that firm being picked on by an inspector due to some past relationship issues? Or is every member in the trucking industry dealing with the same thing? So that's really where it takes a lot of due diligence. People are passionate when they're impacted by a department. It's taking that emotion out of it and bringing everyone together to maybe it's not the one issue, but there's a like-minded issue that everyone can agree upon and then move forward. So you mentioned things that are for the good of the industry. And I know that there are a lot of organizations out there involved in the construction industry that affect construction management. They all have a vested interest in the same topics. And I could see how working together, combining efforts would be really beneficial. So Andrea, I was wondering if CMAA is, is involved in any coalitions, and if so, which ones those are? Sure. I'll highlight three because, yes, the answer is yes. CMA is very much part of coalitions in the Washington area. There are a lot of associations and organizations that are bigger and have more resources directed towards advocacy. So it is actually, as you say, it's to our benefit. We make the voice of the industry bigger by being part of them. So I'm just going to talk about three. The first is the Water Infrastructure Network. That is a coalition that is very specifically focused on, just like it says, water infrastructure. Their particular interest is something called the Water Resources Development Act, which has to be authorized on a regular basis by Congress. And that bill typically includes water wastewater, EPA, coastal restoration, and other types of water infrastructure projects. So we're part of that group. We're also part of the Construction Industry Procurement Coalition, which is to a great extent led by the Associated General Contractors of America, which is looking at very specific procurement reform, particularly for small businesses. And it is very narrowly focused, but these things matter, right? 
schedules whether certain fees are indexed or not, whether certain requirements that might relate to immigration status or COVID policies, how those disproportionately affect small businesses. So CMA is very much a part of that coalition. That's a fairly large, broad coalition. It includes the American Institute of Architects, the American Council of Engineering Companies, the Design Build Institute of America, just to name a few. And that group works by consensus. And so anytime there's a particular provision and the whole group does not agree on the approach, then we keep working at it until there's an approach that the whole group can agree on. The other one that CMAA is a member of is the Council on Federal Procurement of Architecture and Engineering Services. That includes the American Institute of Architects, us, and the Building and Closure Council, and the National Society of Professional Surveyors. That group is laser-focused on protecting the Brooks Act, which requires qualifications-based selection for professional services. And the Brooks Act is important not only at the federal level, so that's often where we get sort of into difficulties, if you will, with the General Services Administration around Brooks Act procurements and the GSA schedules, et cetera, et cetera. But there are also Brooks Acts at the state level that require a qualifications-based selection. And that coalition is also looking at state-level legislation to ensure that QBS is being used for the procurement of professional services in the built environment. And that's really, really important to our members, and we're really pleased to be a part of that group. Andrea, for an analogy of the Brooks Act, I, I always use, you know, it's low bid. So would you want to shop for your doctor and get the lowest price doctor? If you're going to trial, would you want the cheapest attorney? And now when you talk about our industry, do you want the lowest priced engineer structurally designing your building? Or would you want a construction manager overseeing a billion dollar project to be the cheapest person you could find? The Brooks Act really protects qualification-based selection for very major projects, both in the public sector and in the private sector. Well, thank you both for highlighting those and Andrea for letting us know what coalition CMEA is involved in. It's a lot of information, you know. I think some people listening may be thinking, you know, how do I get involved? There's so much legislation that does affect the construction industry. There's so many things happening at the local level, the state level, and the federal level. And I'm curious what you would tell someone who is interested in getting involved, but a little bit hesitant, you know, maybe may overwhelmed, maybe never have been involved um, in advocacy before. What would you tell someone who's thinking about getting involved? Well, most importantly, I think if you are a, an individual who is interested and has available time, by all means, we would like you to be active in CMAA. You know, it's something that all of us profit from ultimately, either personally or monetarily. To join our group, it's quite simple. We want people that are uh, interested in uh, really advancing the profession and looking out for those things that are important to the industry as a whole. You can simply go to the website, as Dave mentioned earlier, and become an advocate. There's a place where you can put your personal information in and express your interest in joining our group by all means. We will contact you. You can reach out to any of us individually or any of the board members or people that you're comfortable with at your local chapter. 
but please, please get involved. We'd love to have you join our team. We have time for one more question. I'm going to direct this one to you, Andrea, because this is probably a lot of our listeners are already members of CMAA, and it may be concerned to them how much of the dues that members are paying get spent on towards lobbying and advocacy. So no member dues are spent on lobbying because CMAA is not a lobbying organization. We are not engaged in direct lobbying. I know that's important, particularly for our members who are employed by federal and state agencies. We just want to make sure that was clear before we let you guys go. But Andrea, Dave, Ed, it's always a pleasure having you guys on the show. And it's great to see you all again. Uh, you can find additional information, as Ed was saying, on the CMA Advocacy Action Center at www.cmaanet.org slash resources under the resources tab. There you'll be able to see all the latest bills and legislation that CMAA is keeping an eye on and ways for you to make your voice heard. On the next Construction Leaders podcast, we'll make an introduction about the five levels of commitment. CMA's fellow past chair and founder of SafeWorks CM, Rebecca Jones, will provide a general overview of approaching businesses and life in general. Make sure you download or subscribe to the podcast and follow us on social media at CMAA underscore HQ. And don't forget to leave us a review with your thoughts of today's episode and let us know what you'd like to hear on an upcoming podcast. On behalf of CMAA, I'm Nick Soto with Carly Trout. Thank you for listening.